Hello, everybody. My name is Nkozi, and welcome to the Two Sides of a Coin podcast. Thank you for being with us again. I'm sorry about last week. We ran into some real-life stuff, so we had to take a week off. This week, we are going to talk about two movies. The first one is going to be the third movie in the updated Hercule Poirot trilogy, the character that was famously written by the mystery novelist Agatha Christie in A Haunting in Venice. And the second movie we're going to talk about, continuing a slight horror theme, is the sequel to another movie in the Conjuring universe, which is The Nun 2. So, let's get to it. Well, you gotta give it up to Agatha Christie. She definitely has some hits. I mean, this lady, with all of her writing, she wrote two of some of the most successful detective characters the world has ever seen. First one being known as Miss Marple. The second one being known as Hercule Poirot. He is the world-renowned Belgian detective. A guy who solves things through method, through investigation, and through examination. He's known for many things, but the most thing he's known for is his mustache. It's very, very full mustache. Now, there have been many iterations of this character, and the latest one, the one that we're talking about here in this movie, A Haunting in Venice, is played by Kenneth Branagh. And this is the third movie that he's played with this character. He's done Murder on the Orient Express, he's done A Death on the Nile, and this being his third foray with the same character is notable because that means that there's enough fanfare, enough ratings, good enough sales where they are willing to tell these stories and the fact that they've already told three of them, even though they've been told over and over again, does mean that the stories hold up in their own way. So let's see if while the story holds up, let's see if the movie holds up. All right, let's get into it. So in this movie, you start out with Hercule Poirot, and he is not himself and what I mean by him not being himself is he's effectively said hey I'm done with the whole solving impossible cases game I'm good I don't need anything else I've retired I'm not taking any more cases I've even hired a bodyguard to keep people away from me so that way I don't need to worry about taking any more of these crazy cases. I've been through war. I've seen death. I've lost people that have been close to me. You know what? I'm perfectly fine with never covering another high-profile case again. But he gets visited by an old friend of his, Adrian Oliver, who is played by Tina Fey. And she talks to him and she's like, hey, Perot, you don't want to do any more cases. 
that's fine. I'm not asking you to do a case, but I need your help with something because I've noticed this psychic. This lady is good. I mean, really, really good. So good, in fact, I can't figure out what she's doing and how she's doing it. I'm a skeptic. I've seen people left and right do things that I can figure out. I just can't figure out what the psychic is doing. So she enlists Puro in going to a seance being hosted by the psychic who's being played by Michelle Yao. And there's a whole bunch of people there. You have the psychic is doing a seance at the home of a mother who's lost her child and she's trying to talk to the child and she's invited a whole bunch of people in that household to actually go in with this seance with her and Piero is like hey let's figure this out and while Piero is able to figure out one thing very easily what happens next is something that takes the rest of the night for Perot to figure out because Perot has to put his crime-solving skills to the test to solve a crime that he definitely did not plan on being around. But that's kind of his character. So let's go into, now that I've given you the main gist of the story, Let's talk about some of the things I like about this story. Um, the cast. I really like the cast. You know, Kenneth Branagh played Hercule Poirot. He is really good. He is settled into this role nicely. Sometimes with some actors, they need a couple movies to really get into what the character is going to be like. It seems like with Kenneth Branagh, he settled in from the very first movie. And he's just enjoying himself. It feels like he is on autopilot. That is how simple this role feels for him. Not that it's an easy role, but it just feels he's so comfortable in his own skin in this that it really, really comes through. You know, I mentioned you had Tina Fey in there. You love Tina Fey. This she's still good in this she's witty she's snappy she's not the comedian just telling joke a minute she is being an actor in this movie and tina fey if you don't know is a pretty good actor so that means she does well in this movie and you have a whole bunch of other people and people that i did not expect to be in this movie so i mentioned michelle yao michelle yao is in this movie obviously Love Michelle Yao. Michelle Yao absolutely killing it as the psychic. Just the right amount of you don't know if she's being super sincere or she's being super just completely and utterly contemptuous. But you love her anyways because she's just so interesting every moment that she is on the screen. So I love that. Also had a couple people in this movie that I did not realize was in this movie because I tried to come into this with 
as little knowledge as possible. I know that the movie is based off of the book Halloween Party that was written by Agatha Christie, but I tried not to read or view any of that because I really wanted to see if this worked as a movie. So you had Emma Laird in there. She was one of Michelle Yao's assistants. And the big thing is I remember her from is I remember her from Mayor of Kingstown. So she's still solid actress. Love to see her. You had Jamie Dornan in this movie. So Fifty Shades of Grey was Fifty Shades of Messed Up playing a doctor for the family because he was suffering from trauma of the war. And they also went out of their way to really talk about the setting that they were in. But we'll get to that a little bit later. I also really liked uh, Kelly Riley in there as Rowena Drake. She was the mother of Alicia. And hey, what can I say about Kelly Riley? If you loved her from Yellowstone, you will like her here because she is both as dangerous as she is beautiful and since she's very beautiful she's very dangerous so take with that what you will and the cast is also rounded out by several you know character actors well-known actors just really good in their craft the big thing about this movie is this is the kind of movie where this is not an adventure quest this is not something where everybody's going to be running all over in order to find the mystery this is people are locked in one place and you have to figure out what the mystery is so if you are not captured by the dialogue there's not going to be a large amount of action on the screen so you have to be interested in trying to figure out the mystery along with Hercule. If you're not interested in that kind of movie, this, you will hate this movie. Truly. I was interested, so I was in it from beginning to end. If this is not that kind of movie, if you don't like those, then trust me, you're not going to like this movie. Another thing I liked about this movie was the cinematography I absolutely loved it. I thought they really went out of their way to emphasize the city that they were in, Venice, Italy. It's very, very obvious that they were going out of their way to do it, and they made Venice, Italy look incredible. Also, while the cinematography was great, you also cannot undersell the production design and the sound design in this movie you felt every click every clack every little just moving and groan of the location that they were in it really added great atmospheric flair for this movie and i thought it definitely went out there to really just hammer home that this is a very, the location that it was in, 
they hammered home what kind it was because it was an old house. So I loved that you felt like you were in that house throughout the entire movie. It felt both spacious and claustrophobic. So big ups to the production and the design team for really making sure that you understood what kind of movie that you were watching. Another thing that I have to say, which is where the good ends and the bad doesn't is and this is weird in a way it's that i don't have anything bad to say about this movie the only thing i would say about this movie is while this movie was definitely good it was solid i i really liked everything about it it still weirdly felt too long like I know this movie was under 90 minutes, if that. Actually, let me check. Yeah, this movie was only 103 minutes in terms of its runtime. And I don't know why, but it still felt a little too long. This movie felt like there were a couple of things that were added into it that definitely dragged it out for a little bit too long like they had seen with a bunch of kids because it was halloween that could have been cut out honestly this movie felt like it would have been a really nice 60 minute flat movie like a tv movie with no breaks or limited commercials without that to have it be 90 minutes it it still felt a little bit too long and I don't know where that comes from but it just did so honestly in regards to the movie outside of the length I really liked it this is a mystery novel that you see on screen the whole point is can you figure out the killer at the same time as Perot figures out the killer Is he going to figure it out before you? Does he have to spell it out for you? It doesn't matter when. You win. Because you know he's going to catch the person. You know he's going to figure out how it was done exactly. So if you aren't into that movie, you're going to hate this movie. If you are into mystery movies, if you do like to sit in a movie theater or at home and watch people just talk not fight i mean there's one fight scene but it's really not anything not fight not go in and have knock down drag out screaming matches but just conversations this is the movie for you it was for me and i enjoyed it but i do recognize that it's a very simple movie that doesn't mean it rises above the mark it just means it's a fine movie it's inoffensive and that's nothing to be laid against the movie itself it just is what it is so i think at the end of the day this is a home-cooked meal it's not bad it's just a little bit uninspiring so let me know what you guys think let me know if you loved it if you're a huge fan of Hercule Poirot 
and we'll get back to you with our next review. The only nun that I really have ever liked in terms of cinema has been Sister Mary Clarence from the Sister Act franchise. In any other depiction of it, I haven't really liked nuns in general. Not because of who nuns are, it's just the way that they've appeared in cinema has for the most part been uninspiring for me. So when The Nun first came out, which is a part of the Conjuring universe, it was a movie, but it wasn't anything special. The whole thing about there being a demon who masqueraded themselves as a nun who would then go out and kill other nuns and other people was always a little bit on the nose. Also, while I know the nun is supposed to be scary and demonic, the thing about the nun that, at least the first movie, is that it wasn't particularly scary. It was creepy, but not scary. And those are two completely different things. So going into the second nun movie, I wondered, would they be a little bit more violent? Would they be a little bit more scary and not just creeped out by the nun? And I got an answer to that. Whether that answer was good or bad, well, I'll let you guys be the judge. So, let's get into it. So, the big thing about The Nun 2 is that it takes place two years after The Nun. Between two to four years. In it, we see that the main characters that we remember, the survivors from The Nun, which was Sister Irene, and most importantly, Maurice. And here's the thing about The Nun 2, and that is The Nun 2 relies heavily on you knowing what happened in the first Nun movie. Because even though it takes place years later, it is a very direct sequel to the first nun. So if you did not watch the first nun, you are going to be lost at certain moments. It's going to explain certain things, but there's still a bunch of information that is best explained by actually watching the first nun movie. So... I'm going to give this review as if you have seen the first nun, and if you haven't, then hey, we all learned something. So, as I was saying, the nun 2 first starts out where the nun is terrorizing a church, and the nun does the creepy things that most creepy demons do, which is it plays with a ball, it shatters something. It causes water to boil, and then it burns someone alive. It burns them straight alive. So from that, I was like, whoa, the nun is getting serious. The nun is not playing around. The nun is going to just be murdering people throughout this movie. And of course, we get the notion that the nun has inhabited somebody based off the 
silhouette that in the first five minutes of the movie shrinks down and goes into this figure and that figure is revealed to be a person from the first nun movie now if you've seen the first nun movie you remember that sister irene and the priest thought they banished the demon however at the end of that movie they reveal that the groundskeeper maurice he actually has been inhabited by the nun so the nun could escape being sealed so now in this second movie the nun is now out they have resurfaced they've been killing a bunch of people and the church tracks down sister irene lets her know hey we think the nun is back we can't go to the last person who did it because reasons however you're still around so will you please help us to stop this terrible demon and to seal them in place we need your help to do it please do it and of course the sister agrees so now it is a race to find where the demon is to stop them and put them back in hell where they deserve now that's the overarching theme of the movie because that's the overarching theme of the first movie it's a sequel it's not anything complicated so let's let's just jump into the good of this movie uh number one uh this movie does have a pretty good cast uh the important figures from the first movie from the most part return so the actress who plays the nun bonnie aarons she returns and she is still just as creepy in her nun makeup as she is so that's always good you have a uh, tasa farmiga she returns she is sister irene and sister irene i thought was even better than the first movie i actually liked her more in this one than in the first nun because in the first nun she was naive and then she was hit with trauma and now this sister irene is just like hey i've been through some stuff so while she's still a little happy-go-lucky she hasn't gone to be this gruff and unapproachable nun she's like hey when it's time to get stuff done it's time to get stuff done so i, I actually really like that about the character and uh jonas bluket uh returns as maurice and he is just as charming as the first movie and i do like how now that he has been possessed he's showing that he can do the possessed game very well when he needs to be menacing he can be menacing and also got to give a big ups to the makeup department because the work they were doing throughout this movie i thought was a plus work you could tell this movie was made on a budget however the physical makeup that they were doing worked incredibly well so i have to give them huge props it looked good no matter what throughout the movie 
And going back to Maurice, to Jonas, he was solid. As I said before, when he was charming, when he charmed the ladies, he was charming the ladies. When he was being kind to younger children, you felt that he was actually a kind person. When he was being menacing and creepy and scared, it all came through. This movie relies a lot on this character on one hand knowing what he's going through subconsciously and on another hand not knowing what is going on with him and he's just trying to find love and be happy and he is not fully recognizing what is going on around him so I give a big props to him because really this movie survives off of sister irene and maurice that's who this movie relies on the most and i thought they gave a lot to this movie honestly set design was on point i loved the fact that we got this nun movie just like the first one it was in a self-contained place majority of this movie takes place in like three locations this is not a globe spanning horror movie and honestly, this wouldn't make sense to be a globe-spanning horror movie because this movie, as I said, it's based a couple years after the first one. And the first one was based in the 1950s. So this one also being bet in the 1950s, you're dealing with a lot of post-World War II situations where, hey, people are hurt. People are trying to get back to a happy place also because you're setting it in the 1950s you don't have to worry about things like email like phone calls stuff like that where information can move quickly and honestly i think that setting your horror movie in a time before the internet and social media and digital information can move at such a pace really does make any kind of plot hole in terms of how do they not know where the demon is because the second that the demon killed somebody in a weird way somebody would have had a search algorithm go up and they would have found out immediately instead because there's no real communication between towns because it's set in a period where you can move from town to town and nobody could really know who you are unless they knew you from the previous town. I actually really like that. It makes it so much easier to believe that people are making the decisions that they are making. So I give big props to that. Another thing I liked about this movie is that the nun at times is brutal. As I said before, she set somebody on fire within the first 10 minutes of the movie. It gives you the feeling like the nun is not messing around. You see the nun enough, you're going to die. And in one other instance, when the nun killed somebody, I was like, wow, that is a brutal way to go both physically and psychologically. So... A plus to the nun because that was that was planned that was chef's kiss moments of 
horror right there. Now, I've talked a good bit about the things I liked about this movie. Too bad I hated everything else. Everything else I hated. So what do I mean by everything else I hated? It's very simple. While this movie had a cast that I actually liked, I only talked about really a couple people, but it had Storm Reed in there. Storm Reed was from A Wrinkle in Time. I really liked that. It had uh, Anna Popplewell. And Anna Popplewell is from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe series. I really like that. This had so much potential to be a really solid horror movie. And at the end, it just fell apart because the story made no sense in regard to the first movie. Made no sense. And here's, here's what I mean. If you saw the first movie... At the end of the first movie, they revealed some information to tie the nun into the Conjuring universe. The problem is this. That information immediately lets you know who in the second movie we need to now track down. And also, it lets you know that the ending of the second movie doesn't matter. Because you already know the answer to it. The main character might look puzzled, but you know. You immediately know what the issue was. And it just, it took the sales out of the entire movie. I knew that certain people were going to be alive because of hints that we've gotten in the Conjuring universe. So... When you don't worry about certain people's death because you know that they have to live because they've already been hinted that they're going to live in the previous entry of this movie franchise, it it falls apart. To me, it just absolutely falls apart. So it just made everything else feel completely and utterly pointless like i knew going into this movie there was no way that two characters in this movie were going to die no way and i thought they were going to make it real interesting by having the character fail but instead they let good quote-unquote triumph but it's a hollow victory because if you've seen the first movie then you know it did not matter. And that's that's the most annoying thing about this movie. It had every single option to be really, really good, and it just did not take any of them. Also, while I've mentioned that the nun can be brutal at times, the nun doesn't kill nearly enough people for it to be truly interesting. And in fact, it is... Less so in this movie, the amount of people she's killed than in other movies. She's killed more people off screen in The Nun 2 than she killed on screen. And that is truly disappointing. It truly is. Because in my head, or at least in my own opinion of horror movies, in order for you to be a truly horror movie, you need to either have so much psychological trauma 
that you put everyone through that it doesn't matter the amount of bodies that you've put in the ground because the amount of baggage that you've inflicted on everyone is so much greater than killing 20 people, which is what they did in Talk to Me, which is why that worked. Or you put a lot of bodies in the ground. You make sure that you leave a death toll that is very, very memorable, which is what a lot of horror movies do. Or you pull the third hand, which is you have so many people confused and wondering is what they're going through supernatural or is what they're going through not supernatural that you don't need to put a lot of bodies in the ground because the less bodies you put in the ground the more people are just so confused that when you finally do reveal the supernatural portion or you reveal there is no supernatural portion and it works this movie takes the fourth option which is the worst option you make it that it's clearly supernatural and you don't kill nearly enough people. At the beginning of the movie, I was so happy because they burned somebody alive and I was like, yeah, the nun is going to get serious. And then the nun does another brutal kill halfway into the movie and I was like, yeah, the nun's getting serious. And after that, no one else dies. Like there's one other on screen death in this movie. That I said, okay, I mean, alright, that's that's just on you. Like, you should have seen what you saw and then ran away. But it was too late. So, I'm, I'm just tired of a supernatural movie where you make the person out to be very, very murderous. And don't have them murder a bunch of people. It feels like every other supernatural figure is just yelling weak at the nun. Like... I would be more afraid of Chucky than the nun because the nun is going to mess with me. Yes. And it might kill me. Probably. However, the whole thing about the nun is I can I can get away from the nun like the nun's got to be close to me. Like if I'm halfway across town, the nun's not killing me. Let's let's be honest. The nun likes to mess with people a whole lot more than it likes to kill them. And that's the disappointing thing. Like the nun should have been dropping people left and right. And the fact that the nun didn't just made it disappointing. And that's, I know that's just me, but that's what I want in a supernatural horror movie. I want a horror movie that is either really bloody, really psychological, or somewhere in the middle. Where it can be a little psychological and also a little bit bloody. This is none of those things. So I struggled with my review of this and what I would say about this as a whole. In the end, I just go with this movie is okay. It's a decent sequel to a first movie that was disappointing as well. So at the end of the day, I give this a high, very, very high fast food. This, I think you could wait to see this movie. But if you really like the Conjuring universe and you really like the first nun, 
I don't see why you wouldn't like this, except she kills a whole lot less people. Like, in a second movie, your kill count should go up, not go down. But that's that's just me. However, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Did you really love The Nun and The Nun 2? Are you happy with the kind of horror movie that it is did you want it more bloody less bloody please let me know your thoughts thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode if you want to reach out to me you can find me in several places you can contact me on twitter at two sides coin you can find us on instagram at two sides of a coin that's t-w-o-s-i-d-e-z of a coin all one word you can email us at two sides podcast at gmail.com and you can listen to the podcast on podbean on spotify and also on apple Podcasts. so we hope to really hear from you guys i love to hear and discuss anything you guys want to talk about and we'll talk to you later